Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights this podcast, Unshaken, our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry aimed at encouraging mothers in the work they do, and also our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March. There is so much good content on these socials, you are not going to want to miss it, so go follow them today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox. It helps us out and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about an episode. Or maybe you just want to tell me about something that you heard on an episode and how it impacted you. Finally, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's jump right into our episode today. All right, well, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 126.2. This is an unusual episode because it's actually a continuation from a previous episode that we've done. We have an amazing ministry called Mom to Mom that is aimed at encouraging and leading women in the work of motherhood, which is an important job. And today we're actually revisiting a previous episode. Well, sort of we're visiting it. So back on episode 122, you may have already listened to it. We listened in on a panel of women answering questions on motherhood. And here's just the truth about this. There were so many questions, but not enough time, which happens often. And they were just really great questions. So we decided to record the rest of the answers and those questions for you to hear. If you haven't listened to episode 122, I want to encourage you to head back to listen to that one as well. However, I don't really think it matters which order you listen because these are really standalone questions. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing the answers from these ladies. So let me introduce them to you. Well, actually, why don't you all introduce yourself? I love that. Everyone loves to have to introduce themselves. Um, Tell us a little bit about your family and what you do every day. Why don't you start, Mackenzie? Thanks, Julie. My name is Mackenzie Arndt, and I've been married for seven years. My husband um, is Jordan, and he's a pastor at Christ the Word Church. We work with a youth group, and we both really enjoy doing that. I stay at home with our four children, ages six, five, three, and one. Ooh, that's busy. Yeah. So my days mainly consist of taking care of them and doing housework and homeschooling. Yes. Great. Okay. And another person on our panel, this is exciting because we have four of us in the studio today. I'm just thrilled. Andrea, give us give us some info about you. Okay. Well, I'm Andrea Van Engen. I am married to Andrew, and we have five kids, ages 10 down to three. Andrew is on staff at church and also has a full-time day job. So I get to work alongside him on some things while also homeschooling my kids and caring for our home. Okay. And then we also have with us someone we've had on quite a few times, actually. Adrian, tell us a little bit about you. Hi, I'm Adrian McClavick, and I've been married to Matt for 31 years. 
and we have six kids. Um, our oldest is 30, and our youngest has just turned 13. And three of them are still at home. They've always we, my kids have always gone to public school, and one is now a college student, and two are married with children. So I also have nine grandchildren in Yay. town here as well. And that all keeps me delightfully busy. And I also help my husband with our property management business whenever he, he needs me. All right. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're all here. Thank you for coming. This is going to be a great episode and we're going to get started right now because we have so many questions. So let's just jump in. And I have to say the first one is quite a doozy. The first question. Okay. I hope all of you who are listening are ready. So here we go. Emotions. I just want to give a big pause because we all know emotions in parenting is tricky. We all, as women, probably struggle at times with emotions and we have lots of emotions. It's not fun to deal with emotions of little people either. So it can be hard to know what to do. So what are some tips um, on teaching toddlers to honor God with their emotions? Like, you know, when they're fighting or when they are struggling with self-control, when they're angry, what do we do? Andrea, why don't you start? Okay. Thanks, Julie. Um, on the proactive side, I think teaching them God's word helps a lot with this. When they are routinely hearing things like a harsh word stirs up strife, but a gentle answer turns away wrath, or cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you, then they will be learning what is true and good. Even my kids who haven't had much issue with controlling their emotions have had the opportunity to be taught this because with our youngest kids, it's just going to happen from time to time. But we can help them so much for the future by explaining to them what their sin is and how to respond in a godly mm, way. Mm, that's good. So I think it's important to name the sin that the emotion has turned into. I will often say something like, you can be disappointed, but that doesn't mean you can whine and cry about it because mm. now that is complaining and arguing. The Bible tells us in Philippians to do all things without complaining or arguing. So that's this little example of a conversation I might have. Sure. That's good. That's helpful. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so a lot of it, I think, is naming the sin and pointing them to God's word. A great verse for anger, for instance, comes from Proverbs 29, and it says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. It also goes a long way to pray with them, for God to give them his Holy Spirit to be able to control their emotions. It's good to help them understand that it is possible and mm -hmm. that they don't have to give in to just whatever they're feeling. Yeah, because I think the world says that however you're feeling is how you should live. Yeah, for and it's people. a good reminder for ourselves as yeah. well. <laughs> I actually remember a really big cartoon that was out a few years ago, and, and probably Adrian will remember, but it had a very whiny little kid in it named Caillou. Oh, oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> that is the epitome of bad emotions, right? So yes, now everyone's going to go YouTube and look up what yeah, Well, even my Caillou kids, is. when they were about the same age as Caillou, they were like, yeah. that kid is so whiny. Yes, he's a brat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good, good. Anything else? Um, well, I think, too, a good, a good thing to remember is, you know, I think it's, it's tempting to respond with our own uncontrolled emotions oh. to the situation and, you know, like either by getting angry or using words in an unhelpful way. So it's important that we respond in a way that shows them, our kids, that it is possible to handle a situation with self-control. That's really good because aren't we as mothers the one of the best examples to our kids? Yes. So we do have to keep check of our own emotions, no yes. matter how hard that is. Mackenzie, how about you? Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, well, I think that what Andrea said is really true and helpful. Yeah. And I have found what she said to be true in our home as well. Um, so continuing with being proactive. Um, being proactive and 
talking about emotions before you're swimming in them, I think mm. is, is important and helpful. Um, That's a great illustration when you're swimming yeah. in emotions. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. Yes. Um, well, I was encouraged by a friend at church when my first two were little to memorize scripture with them. Um, I want to say my kids were three and two hmm. at this time. And I was a little like, well, they're pretty young. Yeah. Um, but I really was blown away with their ability to memorize scripture. Uh, we did use a lot of hand motions. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was a big help to them. Yes. Um, so even young children are able to memorize scripture. Um, I think the first passage we actually tackled was 1 Corinthians 13. That's a good one. Uh, it is. And it was long. Um, they memorized the whole thing. But I just wanted to point out verses 4 through 7. Um, those have been particularly helpful and applicable to kids, which says love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, um, love does not brag, it's not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Yeah, that's that's really helpful, and that would be a really helpful verse not only for our kids to learn, but for us to learn. Yeah. <laughs> because like Andrea said, we got to start with it. Yes. So, yeah. Definitely. And so I was encouraged by my friend with that passage. Because um, I remember thinking, well, what do I start with? What mm-hmm. do I, okay, let's memorize, but what do we do? Another passage that we found helpful was First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. If you're looking for passages <laughs> to memorize, that was a good one. Um, and then also the fruits of the spirit, which mm-hmm. we learned in song form so they can just mm-hmm. sing it and, mm-hmm. and it's a good reminder yep. to them. Sing it and you won't forget it. Yeah, it's true. Um, so yeah, being proactive, I think is really helpful in helping our kids to start learning what it looks like to be honoring to God in the way we use our emotions. I also think it's been helpful for me to remember, like we said earlier, that my kids are watching how mm-hmm. I am handling my own emotions and also how I am emotionally responding to things that are happening and how I'm responding in my emotions to their emotions. Sure. That's good. <laughs> um, which can be hard. Emotions are just, like you said, are challenging for both kids and us as moms. And so I, I have found it to be helpful for me to remember that I am teaching them by my own emotions how they should be dealing with theirs. Hmm. And particularly when I do sin in my emotions, it's so important for me to then be humble and admit my wrong and acknowledge it as sin to my kids. Mm. Um, And then to ask their forgiveness. So I really have seen how it's important for for our kids to see us model this in ourselves and also to teach them to do the same thing. Because we all sin in our emotions. Um, And so it's important to teach them what to do after they've sinned and walking them through that process of seeing their wrong and acknowledging it as sin and then asking forgiveness from the person that they sinned against. Um, So teaching them and modeling for them um, in what it looks like to honor God in their emotions and how to respond in humility after we've sinned. Um, And this is something that will bless them as they grow. Well, yeah, and even what you shared, it's good because when we go and and ask for or seek forgiveness from our family because we've been sinful it helps them practice forgiving 
yeah. others because that happens in a family all the time. So that's really a good point. Those were all really, really good thoughts. I just, I think emotions are very hard to deal with. And I'm not surprised this was one of the questions for <laughs> this particular, this particular episode. And I do think, I loved your word swimming because I think emotions, they go bad fast and pretty soon you are drowning in yeah. emotions, right? <laughs> okay. Now this podcast is not for the faint hearted. So we are ready for another doozy of a question. It feels like we're on a game show or something, but um, let's do another hard one. You guys ready for another hard one? Yeah. Let's yep. do it. Okay. All right. What if, and actually here's, here's a little side note that nobody knows, but I thought this was a good question. I actually, at the Mom to Mom a few months ago when we were writing questions out, I wrote this one because I've run into women mm-hmm. who have set, asked me this question and I thought, it's hard to answer this. So I'm looking forward to hearing this. Okay. Oh Are you ready? Sure. No yeah. pressure, Adrian. I think you're starting us off. But what if my husband and I differ on discipline? Well, the question itself makes me giggle a little bit because... The question is not if you differ, <laughs> really that it's more accurate to say when you dis- right. differ with your husband on, yes. on how to discipline because you definitely will not always be on the same page. But the important thing is that you cannot let your children know that. Hmm. And you need to present a united front hmm. to them. And you just, you can't let them know when you disagree about discipline with your husband because number one... Kids are sneaky and manipulative, yes. and they will figure out how to use their that to their advantage, even if they're quite young. Yep. And the second um, reason is because it will really communicate to them that it is just fine to dishonor your husband's desires and actions about a very important issue. Hmm. And so I, I'm obviously not saying that you can never disagree with your husband about how to discipline the kids, because... That's clearly going to happen at times, but I am saying that you need to make that a private matter Mm -hmm. between the two of you, and that means that you really do need to hold your tongue when you're in the heat of the moment. Like an example would be, let's say you're dealing with, you know, your teen and your husband, um, you know, there's been some sort of deception, your husband grounds the teen, and you are like interjecting yourself saying, but, but you don't know what happened or, Hmm. um, oh, you know, that's too harsh or, oh, no. You know, so you're inserting yourself and really undoing what Mm -hmm. it is that your husband's trying to accomplish. And, I mean, a better way to handle that would be to let that go at the moment then privately talk to your husband and you may have a valid point. And if he really did blow it, your husband can always go back and apologize right. to the child. Yeah, we're back to what Mackenzie said earlier. Right. That's actually a lesson to right. teach. It's fine yep. for kids to see their parents mess up and then to apologize and repent from that. You know, that's that's not a bad thing. But, you know, the, what he, the child doesn't need is for you to set up this sort of good cop, bad cop mm, scenario right. and have you undermine him in front of the child. Like, it's just mm. not helpful. That's interesting that you bring that up because the earlier question about emotions, it's interesting in parenting and discipline, emotions run high too. Oh, for sure. Because sometimes we can think, well, my thoughts are better and I'm concerned, you know, like uber concerned for my child in some way. And our husband is too, but it, it's interesting how that plays a role in this too. We have to have self-control. Yes. And, it, you know, when you do make an appeal to your husband, you also need to prepare yourself to concede that. Yeah. That you actually might be the one who's incorrect about mm. the situation. And our tendency, we, we often spend, in general, we often spend more time with our kids than our husbands. So 
we think we have insight that they don't, and sometimes we do, but we also might be the ones who are reading the situation right. wrong. Or, you know, offering compassion when that isn't necessarily right. the thing the child needs. That's because, what I was thinking, yes. Yes, because in our house, I tend to be super compassionate yeah. and to think that my husband is being overly harsh, but actually, over the years, I've learned that my wanting to protect my kids and you know make excuses for them or just shield yep. them from these things is usually not actually the thing they need and my boys especially have needed my husband's firm hand and not to be coddled mm. and my daughters too mm. um and on the flip side we might have listeners who have a husband who is somewhat checked out in this area and just doesn't step in mm. to the discipline mm. when he should so you know, there are times when maybe you need to fill that void. If it's not happening, you, you know, a mother may need to fill the void that is being left by the husband just not disciplining or being willing to. And, you know, she really needs to be diligent in this. And her child can do well with discipline and firm limits, even if it's only coming from the mother. Like she mm. needs to not despair. Right. You know, that, that, um, you know, she, she can be diligent and her child will benefit from the discipline that she offers. And also she needs to be diligent without at the same time bashing her husband. Mm. You know, oh, your father should be handling this or your father should be teaching you to respect me. And, you know, those comments really are not helpful. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up because it might even be someone whose husband travels a lot or works third shift and is asleep. It's just not there, (laughs) right. Right, because that happens too and or is busy in some way. Right, it's a mistake to always, you know, think, oh, this falls on my husband, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, I I can't constantly ask God to bless my parenting and also constantly fight my husband about disciplining our kids. (laughs) And if your husband is really out of line, I would encourage you to prayerfully make an appeal to him in private and also to pray that God would change his mind and his behavior. And I mean, the truth of it is that the Holy Spirit can really do far more to change our husbands than we can by nagging Mm -hmm. or arguing. So, you know, if your husband and you are really not on the same page, that is, that really could be a matter of prayer Mm. that God would honor. Yeah, there's a lot that you just shared to think about. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. I, I really love your last thoughts about expecting God. Like, can we actually expect God to bless our, our parenting when we are fighting or we're irritated or we're speaking negative about our husband in front of our kids? I mean, the answer is no, yeah. we cannot. And I love prayer. I think prayer is a great vital part of discipline. And that's a really good point, too, that you brought up. We have to be in prayer regarding any discipline we need to do with our children That is good stuff. So thank you. Okay, another question. You guys ready for the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure this one gets easier. So every time I think, oh, we're going to get the easy questions. But there's no easy button in parenting, is there? Okay, what are some tips on getting housework done during the homeschool toddlerhood season? I didn't even know toddlerhood was actually a word, (laughs) but I do now. So, um, Andrea, why don't you kick us off? What about that toddlerhood season? Mm -hmm. So what do you got? Well, um, so toddlerhood makes me think of, you know, if if they're over two. So if your kids are under the age of two, I would just utilize nap time and figure out how to clean really fast. And that's how you can get that done. (laughs) Super Um, speed. Yeah. And... At this age, I would often keep cleaning supplies. Well, actually, I still do. I keep cleaning supplies in each bathroom. 
and just kind of do a quick clean when the little ones are napping or if they're contained in their little extra saucer or something. Um, because having the supplies right there yep. saves time and it helps us actually get done. Yeah. And, you know, they're not really going to be able to help if they're under two, really. Um, otherwise, if your kids are over the age of two, my best tip is to have them help. We've used different methods in different seasons, but I've always had them helping in some way. So if I want to clean the bathrooms and none of my kids are old enough to yet do it on their own, I might give them a paper towel to, you know, wipe down the walls and the cabinets in the bathroom. And while they're busy with that, I know they're not creating a mess in another room. Right. Good point. (laughs) And I'm actually able to focus on doing the cleaning. And it's also training them to help with caring for our home because, you know, they think that they're really doing something. Um, And so all of that has now translated to my seven-year-old who can clean the mirror, the sink, and the toilet all by herself. Nice. And that's super helpful. Yeah. We have people in our house a lot. Bring her to my house. (laughs) That's great. And part of that is because she enjoys it because we started off doing it together, you know, so that's a big part of it Well, just on a side note, when I took my first kids to the dentist, I remember calling for a dentist. I went to the dentist when I had a, a new baby and they said, well, you need to bring your child in by the age of one. I'm like... They have like, what, seven teeth or something, you know? Maybe. And he said, no, 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 it's not about the teeth. It's because you want them to get into the habit that this oh. is what they do every year. And it makes the dentist not such a scary, you know, uncomfortable place. So that's the same thing you're saying. Yeah. Teach them how to start when they're little and it becomes just a part of the pattern of life. Right. That's good. That's exactly. Good. Yep. Um, and on the, you know, going along with that, you can even make a game out of it. Um, to make it fun for them. So in the past, you know, I've like formed a square on the floor with some tape and have my little ones sweep crumbs into the square oh, that fun. keeps them busy for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe like while you especially do the dishes. If, especially like, if other people are eating in the room. <laughs> <laughs> then there's crumbs all the time all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never done it in the dining room. That would be a little cruel. <laughs> Usually it's in the kitchen. Right. Okay. You know, and then I can like get the dishes done. Yeah. And, um, you know, we play music and we sing while we clean. Um, we The kids have had fun seeing how many pairs of socks they can match. You know, Ooh. I've made it a contest before, get a little competitiveness going, a little reward there. Um, and so a, another thing, too, is that you just might have to change your expectations for how things get cleaned. You know, it might not be this calm, quiet, therapeutic activity like it once was, because <laughs> cleaning can be that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least it's getting done. So... You know, I might have to change your expectations on that a little bit. Um, years ago, I started assigning certain pickup areas for each kid that would rotate occasionally. And this has been really helpful. So before each meal, everyone is in charge of their little pickup area. And so the house is getting tidied up at least twice during the day. It's a great idea. Like from all the toys and whatever is out. Um, and then likewise, we have after meal jobs. <laughs> and so I have each kid... Um, they have a certain job after a meal so that the table is wiped, the floor is swept, and the dishwasher is loaded without me having to do it all. Hmm. And I know this is, you know, a lot of families do this, but I think it's like you have to think about these things before it actually arrives mm-hmm. because all of a sudden it's like, oh, they, they're able to do this, these things. Yeah. I don't have to be the one doing all of this. So, um, and they can usually do things much earlier than we give them credit for. Yes. Um, another thing is I train my kids to do their laundry at an early age. <laughs> Which helps because we're home during the day, but it just made it easier to make sure that it's actually getting done. I'm really bad at keeping up with laundry. So if they're doing their own, I know it's at least washed and dried and then, yeah, you know, teach them how to put it away. But Well, and that makes me think of how I have one of my children 
who does do their laundry and gets it in their room, but it is never in the drawers the way I would put it in. <laughs> and that's another one where I, you have to give up sometimes. Yeah. They're, they're doing it. They're getting it put yeah. in there, in the, sometimes in the right cubbies. <laughs> but I'm like, where is that shirt? Oh, yeah, I don't know. So we go look <laughs> in there, and it's in, like, the underwear cubby. I'm like, no. But anyway, yes, that's a really good point. You got to release your expectations yeah. a little bit, too. Yeah, and, you know organization will be a whole nother yes <laughs> whole yes. other area that yes. you can teach them down the road um yeah and you know I think it's you know it's unrealistic to think that things are always going to get done during the day so I occasionally will spend an hour here or there after the kids go to bed to just kind of do some things that we missed you know mm-hmm. that happens maybe once once every other week or something but um I think the important thing is that the kids are learning and being trained to see how to care for your home and not to think that the magic cleaning fairy comes every night while they're sleeping and right. magically the house is put back together because that's That'd bad be. for mom. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Mackenzie, what about you? You have a lot of little ones right now. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think what Andrea said is is helpful. I like um, what you said about giving your kids different zones to clean up in. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like really genius. I think I should start doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, I did that when my kids were little. We called them jurisdictions, and that made it really cool. Like, I felt like they should have a name tag. It's very you know? official. Yes, it's super official. What is your – did you clean your jurisdiction? No, Mom. You know? So. I probably learned it from you. Oh, I, you I, I probably heard you talking about it years ago. It is helpful. Yeah. Um, well, just continuing on with what Andrea said, um, we like to utilize music, too. We mm. play really loud music, like really loud. <laughs> um, the kids think it's fun. We sometimes also dance. I mm-hmm. might be embarrassed if you looked into my window when we were doing this. But um, the kids enjoy it. It adds some fun and goofiness to the cleaning process. Because yeah. um, you want it to be fun. You yeah. want it to be just like this misery yeah. of cleaning. Um, so they, they like when we do that. I, I also have liked that the kids have made up a game their own game for cleaning oh, okay and i don't know how they came up with this but they call it yes sir okay and so they suggest that we play yes sir okay um and sometimes i try to explain to them that when you you're speaking to a woman you don't call them <laughs> sir you call them ma'am <laughs> but that just hasn't stuck okay it's yes sir. it's not a part of the rules of the game no it's right? not no. <laughs> <laughs> um and so the game basically consists of they march up to me like a soldier okay and they ask for their job and so I tell them what it is they're supposed to go do and then they say yes sir and do this little salute thing and yes. then yes. they go and do their task you and then, call it a mission yes yeah not there's other mission. <laughs> yeah and then they come running back asking for their next job that's um, awesome so it's kind of funny so I don't know encourage your kids to make up their own cleaning games because yeah they think that is very fun um even my three-year-old likes doing this so you, I yeah. can find little things for her to yes. put away and um so yeah they think it's fun we got a lot of stuff picked up while doing this I'm actually amazed at how much they can put away mm. while playing this game mm-hmm. and <laughs> I can be cleaning other things yes um and having kids help yeah I think that's really really helpful for them um I think from the time Vivian was about two, she started helping unload the dishwasher. Mm. And like Andrea said, it it does require some adjustments in my own expectations of what it looks like to put the dishes away. Um, So definitely the silverware drawer. 
like, you know, <laughs> the forks are all mixed up with the yes. spoons and the yes. knives are with the forks. And it's just like a big, because at that age, they can't really, my kids are short. They can't see inside <laughs> the silverware drawer. So they They're just throw them in there up and they so throw it in. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I never thought of a chair. They just toss it in. But that was when she was two. I'd love to see She's that. good at it now. She's six. Okay. And she can put them in the right yeah. spots. But Lucy, who is three, she likes doing this now. So she's my main culprit of a messy um, silverware drawer. But they're put away. But they're in the drawer. Yep. Yeah. Well, and tell your mother-in-law's trick for the plates. Because oh, people might oh, not. Oh, I do this too. People might not know this. Yes, this is smart. So all of the kids' plates and bowls and their silverware are in a bottom mm-hmm. drawer, the lowest drawer. So when they unload the dishwasher, they can take all of their stuff, because it's not breakable, um, and they mm-hmm. can put that away. And, I, you know, you teach them to stack it nicely and not just dump it all in, because then <laughs> the drawer doesn't shut. Um, but then they can actually put them away and get them out yeah, for meals. That's good. And that's such a simple thing to oh, yeah. adjust. Yeah, just, yep. you know, flipping your cabinets around a little bit. Um, and then vacuuming. I let Ruben, who's five, he likes to vacuum. He learned pretty early on that vacuuming up socks is not the best <laughs> idea. Um, I'm just envisioning that. <laughs> I got it unjammed. Okay. <laughs> he's good at it now. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so I think kids really do enjoy helping. Mm. The hard part is saying yes. Yeah, I think. that's really yeah, that's really a good point. I think um, what you've shared is good because it reminds us that you can make work fun. It, it doesn't need to be a drudgery. I think you said that, Mackenzie, or like, you know, mm-hmm. an irritation. We can make it fun, but it's something that has to get done. Yeah. And we know as moms, there's a lot of work we do every day. So teaching our kids to have joy in it is good. And I love that. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I did that jurisdiction idea. I mentioned that to you. I think it is a great thing. I also had these on the doors. I had those, um, they were like a piece of paper, like a door. You'd put it around the doorknob mm-hmm. and they would, you know, like a door hanger. Yeah. And we had paper clips, not paper clips, clothespins on one side. And the, their chores were on them. And then when they mm-hmm. did them, they'd put it on the other side. Mm-hmm. And we did that for a long time. And that was really helpful to have a list. And that was like what we did every morning, you know, same thing. Some of those little tricks, you can find them all over Pinterest, but yeah. they help you figure out what works for you, and I think that's really good to have a plan. Yeah. Okay, are we ready for our next question? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Okay. I love how you guys are just so willing. <laughs> this is awesome. All right. Um, you know, oftentimes we have um, kids who are like, why? I don't want to do that, or they whine a little bit. Um, they want something, and we have to figure out what to do. So how do you help a persistent child learn to be patient? How do you help an adult learn to be patient? No, no. <laughs> how do you help a persistent child learn to be patient when they are constantly asking and don't accept no? Okay. So, you know, you have a toddler who's begging for something in the store or at home, and they keep asking the question because they think that if they ask enough times, you will somehow miraculously change your mind. <laughs> right. And so the first thing to help them not do that is to be consistent and don't change your mind. Right. <laughs> don't change your no by getting worn mm. down, you know, by the constant asking. And uh, a help in doing that is to take that behavior that you're witnessing as a young child or a toddler and project that into the future and picture them at 15. Ooh. Constantly asking for things and not accepting no for an answer and they're slamming doors and arguing and rolling their eyes and they aren't asking for a piece of candy they're asking for an iphone 
Mm. And so I don't want to envision that. <laughs> I know. I mean, the reality is that sin is magnified hmm. as our kids get older. The consequences also become more serious for yeah. you know disobedience and that sort of thing. But the sin is magnified if they're not trained. So I think one thing that's helpful is to identify the root sin of that behavior. And I think it can really be boiled down to two things. And one is a lack of contentment. Hmm. You know, constantly asking and asking and asking. It's really a lack of contentment. Sure. And it is helpful, I think, um, to find Bible verses that address these things. And my favorite for that particular sin of, you know, lack of contentment is Philippians 4. And I'm going to read 11 through 13. Um, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hunger, hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Hmm. And sort of the shorthand, you know, once the c- child is familiar with that verse, really the shorthand is, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. Right. Um, and then the second root sin of this behavior really is a disrespect of parental authority. And a great verse for that is Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And again, you know, learning that verse, but then the short version, you know, children, obey your parents right. in the Lord. Right. Um, and it's not that I'm saying, you know, in the heat of the moment or the heat of the argument, you know, you're going to whip out these verses and, <laughs> and, you know, bam them over the head with right. it or something. Right. But I think... If this is a behavior that they're exhibiting to sit them down, you know, when it's not in the heat of the moment, explain these verses and how they apply to the situation, point out that they are actually sinning when they're doing this. And then when it happens, you can make that connection with them, Hmm. you know? Yeah. And so if if your child is asking this, you know, having meltdowns in the store, wanting toy or, you know, not saying no, constantly trying to wear you down, ask yourself, number one, have I been consistent so they learn that no means no and number two have i addressed the root sins of that issue okay so that was super helpful and i really appreciate all your thoughts and you know adrian that was really good i love how you highlighted the idea that we really need to be teaching our kids scripture and not just hammering them over the head with scripture which i think in the heat of the moment i want to do that i'm Mm -hmm. like you need to obey but i love how you said we need to we really need to just teach our kids what sin is and where they are sinning. Mm-hmm. That helps me if I actually name my sin. Right. I'm not saying I like it, but right. <laughs> it helps me and I think it helps our kids too. So that's really good. Okay, we're going to jump into a different direction a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about school because I think this is helpful. And some of you listening may not be homeschooling. And you know what? That's okay. Um, in this room, there are four of us sitting right now and two of us are not homeschooling. We public schooled. And two are homeschooling, but I did both, actually. I had some homeschool and some. So I guess the reason I'm saying that is this question is kind of a good question if you are in the middle of homeschooling. So how do you balance homeschooling kids in various age groups? Um, And what do you do with the littles? Do you just put them in the bathroom with a paper towel and say, (laughs) clean the walls, clean the walls, you know, the whole time? (laughs) We're still cleaning. It's four hours later. We're still cleaning. No. What do you guys think? Andrea, why don't you kick us off? Okay, well, this is a great question because I think it's a tricky thing to figure out. Um, I currently have a fifth, third, and second grader, one in kindergarten, and a three-year-old. And I feel like this is really the first year where things feel like they're running smoothly. (laughs) 
So Okay, hang in there. Um, I'll ask you in June. (laughs) Part of why I feel like it's running more smoothly now is my experience and learning on my end that it is simply as my kids get older, they become more independent workers. So Mm. that makes it a lot easier. But with that said, um, some tips for schooling various ages. I have a little list here. Um, So first of all, if it's possible, I would recommend using a curriculum that incorporates many subjects for multiple grade levels. So for instance, we right now use the same history for three different grade levels. Hmm. And so I just cater the workload to suit that particular level. So I'm only teaching history once, and then I help them to work on their assignments as needed. Good. So that's one tip um, if you're homeschooling. Another one is to lump subjects together as much as possible. So if all three of my kids are working on grammar at the same time, even if they're at different levels, my brain is more oriented on grammar at that moment, and so I can quickly move amongst them to be teaching them and, and helping them. Right, you're not jumping from long division yes. to sentence structure. Yes, yeah. it just kind of helps everybody seem like we're actually in a classroom on a cohesive um, flow there. Um, so there's a lot more that could be said about that, but I would encourage you to train and discipline your kids to be good students who listen well while you teach and who take seriously the work that they're given to do because this makes things so much easier mm. no matter how old they are. Now, for the littles who aren't homeschooling, I think it's important to let them think they are homeschooling, (laughs) at least for part of the time. So I've had seasons where the youngest was allowed to roam free like a wild beast, and that (laughs) does not go well. (laughs) They make messes all over, and it ends up just training them to go look for trouble. Hmm. So when they are folded in with the older ones, they typically rise to that, and it keeps everything much more... um, focused and less chaotic so some things that we've done uh, while the older ones are at the table doing their work I have the little ones in their height chair or a chair at the table with blocks play-doh a coloring sheet maybe so that they feel like they're part of the school environment too Um, if you have a couple of toddlers have them play together this has been really helpful for me particularly over the past couple years where Mm. the littlest ones just go play together and So they're just kind of free to go play and they keep each other happy. Another thing that's helpful is to have your older kids rotate through playing with the little ones or even holding a baby. If there's a baby in your house that um, that has been really helpful for me over the past couple of years. Also, I think it's really helpful to have activities within reach of the toddlers that they can just go and access on their own. Um, You know, have a cabinet with puzzles, blocks, dolls, all those kind of fun things and let them know, all right, this cabinet you can play with. This is yours. That way, you know, sure. they they have some structure, but it also gives them some freedom and some creativity as they're playing. Now, I do want to just kind of emphasize that one benefit of homeschooling is that you can make it as individualized or group focused as you want. So sometimes it works best to save certain subjects until the littles are napping. Mm. And, you know, some days we aren't actually done with school until like four o'clock or so. But that's because we were at the park earlier with some friends and then we baked cookies in the morning and, you know, and then we just do most of our school in the afternoon. So um, if there are harder subjects, save those for the afternoon when the little ones are napping and that makes that makes it easier. And finally, I just want to encourage, you know, as with many areas of motherhood, if you're homeschooling your kids of various ages, you need to do what works best for your family. And not compare or covet Mm. a friend's way of homeschooling her kids. Mm. 
I love homeschooling my kids because I get to see them learn and grow and I can include things throughout the day that are important to me for them to experience. And I can remember seeing social media posts or reading about ways that other moms organize their homeschool day and that was not like mine. But as I had more kids and my other responsibilities grew, I realized I had to let go of some of the ideals that weren't my priority. Right. And I had to be okay with that because otherwise I would be discontent. So Hmm. not heeding Adrian's advice from Philippians 4. Um, You know, I'd be comparing myself to the perfect homeschool mom's Instagram feed and just feeling like a big failure. So don't do that. Right. Right. And that is really helpful because um, that is a very common thing that we do. Yeah. Especially now that we have like social media at our fingertips or I can, when I did homeschool for quite a few years and I remember, I I actually looked her up the other day, a couple of homeschool moms that I would follow on blog posts. (laughs) Like that's what you read was a blog post. And I thought it was so cool and everything looked amazing. But in reality, I'm sure her laundry needed to get done and she had dirty dishes and you know, it's easy to compare. Yeah. And pictures only go so far. Yes. This is for (laughs) sure. The real story. So. (laughs) Now, Mackenzie, you're homeschooling too, right? Yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what you would think for this. Oh, well, I am, I'm just at the beginning okay. of homeschooling, so this is pretty new, and I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> but Well, it's nice to get a fresh perspective too, yeah, so yeah. that's good. Um, so last year was the first year that I would say we did school okay. um, consistently. I did kindergarten with Vivian and Ruben because he wanted to so I the books weren't expensive so I was like okay it's worth it to spend the money on the second book so that he can sit there and try and Mm -hmm. he'll learn something he's not going to comprehend all of it but at least he's getting into the idea of school um so Vivian and Ruben would sit at the table um while we worked on school and so for Lucy who was about a year and a half ish at that time um I would set out a blanket nearby the table so it was in eyesight so I could see what was going on. Um, And I would put various toys and things to do on the blanket. So some blocks, a couple books, a stuffed animal. I would rotate this stuff so that Mm -hmm. it wasn't always the same items. Um, And then I taught her to stay on the blanket. Hmm. So she knew that she couldn't leave the blanket and that what she had accessible to her on the blanket right. she could play with. And so that was very helpful. So I was able to focus on the activities that we were doing at the table, and she was happy playing with her toys right. on her blanket. So that has been – that was very good. Um, this year, Vivian is doing first grade, and Ruben works on his preschool activities. Um, and Lucy, now that she's three, she likes to sit at the table, like you said, Andrea, let them think they're doing school. So, um, in Lucy's mind, school means her coloring book and a pencil. Okay. So I give her crayons, but she doesn't start until she has a pencil. Okay. Because everyone else has a pencil. That is a very cheap supply. Yeah. (laughs) Can we just keep that going? Yeah. Yeah. So she does her, her school, um, for a small amount of time. And then I don't make her sit there. I let her go and play with toys when she's done um and then judah who is one i just try and keep him well supplied with cheerios or other (laughs) snacks in his high chair um and then when he gets crabby yeah utilize nap time and just put him to bed yeah so we can focus because 
There's only so much you can yeah, tolerate. It's okay. You, you got to go bed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, those are just really good ideas because they're really practical. And I think even the concepts of what you guys talked about could be used for like after school homework time mm-hmm. to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes kids are getting up from, I tell you what, that is like the crazy hour when mm-hmm. you're public schooling. It's like between four and five and everybody's got to get dinner done. Yeah. And people have homework and they have like things you have to like figure things out. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have to go back and watch a YouTube video to know how to help my seventh grader with math, you know. So I think those are really helpful because oftentimes we have families where there's little ones. And so it's good. Just let them. I love it. Let them join on in, you know. Give them some things that are at their level. That's great. All right. We are not um, done with questions because I have another one. And I would call this one a hot topic question and I put that in all caps in my notes here a hot topic question and I'm actually really excited Adrian because you get to answer this Um, so here we go should sleepovers for older children be allowed should they only be allowed with people that we already know intimately only if they're at our house what do you think Adrian well this is actually a tricky question to answer that's why you got it, girl. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because there really aren't any Bible verses that address this. So it's more about being discerning than being able to say a blanket yes or no. There's not a, a thou shalt never sleep at someone's home. <laughs> There's <reverse>. no Bible <laughs> verse. You know, it'd be so nice yes. if every little detail of our life was, right. you know, answered in that way. But clearly, God did not intend right. it to be that way. So um, we need to be discerning and I will say that you need to make decisions about sleepovers with your eyes wide open Mm. and speaking quite plainly bad things happen late at night in unsupervised settings with parents sleeping Mm. having said that you know your kids and you know which ones are likely to just go along with things you know which ones would be sensitive to something that isn't right and speak up Mm. um at the elementary school level, preschool level, our, our family just really hasn't done many sleepovers in general. Mm-hmm. Like I can probably count on one hand the amount of sleepovers we did when my kids were really young. Hmm. And, you know, there's a lack of sleep that goes on. I'm less confident about their discernment. Yeah, It's just I'm not generally very comfortable with, you know, our young kids having sleepovers. Yeah. I, I sort of figure whatever fun they're going to have, they can have before a reasonable bedtime. I don't know. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Junior high and high school, you know, that really does change um, in my mind. And one of the things that impacted me about my thoughts regarding this is our oldest son, when he became an adult, and I still had a house full of little ones at that point because there were 17 years between him and his youngest sibling. And I said to him, you know, looking back over your childhood, if you could change one thing that we did, what would it be? And he said to me, more playdates. Oh, that's interesting. And, I mean, he was an adult when he said that. And, you know, trying to disturb him, playdate. And really what he was saying is, you know, just saying yes more often to getting together with yeah. friends, including sleepovers. And, yeah. and that actually really impacted me. Hmm. Um, of all the things that he could have said, more playdates. So... I, I have done things differently with our younger kids. And there are some situations, you know, where a sleepover comes up that causes me to more easily say yes. Hmm. And it's easy to say yes if the sleepover sleepover is at your house. Sure, because you have control because over then you things. you have control. So yeah. 
that makes it pretty easy. But the reality is, is mm-hmm. often if you're going to invite someone over for right. a sleepover, then you, there's going to be a reciprocal invitation, right? right? So, um, so one of the things that makes it easier to say yes, probably the most important one, is I know the parents. Hmm. And I know who is in the home and what values they have. So, you know, especially, you know, if your kid goes to school, you know, lots of times these sort of big invitations come home. You know, all the girls in the class have been invited right. over for so-and-so's birthday party. Right. It's going to be so much fun. And I'm just sort of like, eh, no. <laughs> right. You know, I don't know. But then, you know, there have been times when I, I do, you know, maybe they're actually friends where there's been an exchange of, you know, back and forth between each other's house. I've had conversations with the mother. I know the family generally. Right, and right. So, um, you know, if I know the parents, that that makes it easier to say yes. Um, also, if I know who their other kids are, if they have any, who else, if there's going to be yeah. a sleepover, who else is going to be there? Mm. Including who else is invited to the sleepover? Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, those are important questions. And... Also, and this is just a practical thing, before, and honestly, this is pretty much the case all the way through high school, yeah. that they, if they're going to have a sleepover, they have to agree ahead of time that they're going to function happily the next day. Yes. You are, <laughs> speak it, girl. Right? <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, sleepovers are very interesting. People have very strong opinions on sleepovers. Yeah. And I have run into people who said, never, we will never have sleepovers. And then I've run into people who are like, anywhere they want to sleep is fine. They can go anywhere. Yeah. It's interesting how there is such a vast difference. Yes. You know, in there. I remember, this is just my own personal life from being a girl, and my mom was very careful with sleepovers. All my friends would go all the time to friends' houses. Mm-hmm. But one of the rules she had, which I have kept with my kids, is when you go to someone's house, if you at any point feel uncomfortable, or something's not right, I will come get you right then. Yes. And so that has been a rule. And I remember being a, a like a 12-year-old, and I went to a house where they were doing a Ouija board. Oh, my. And I knew that I shouldn't do it. It was the most awkward and hard thing I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. But I called my mom, and she came and got me. And, you know, we talked about it. And they the next day, the parents called, and they were like, we didn't even know that was going on. And so... It actually alerted them, mm-hmm. and the girls were still friends of mine, thankfully. That was the other question that you get. Like, are they going to still be nice to me? Right. But sometimes you have to set it up and have a good conversation with your kids. Right. I and that was something my mom did with me, which mm-hmm. I think is good. Like, it's okay. Just call, and we'll get you. Yeah. So. Yep. Okay. Well, you sort of answered it. You didn't give us a yes or no, though. I can't so. do that. I'm sorry. But thank you for trying. We are glad for that. Okay, one more direction we're going to head. Let's think about how we look. Do we all look fabulous today? This is the beauty of a podcast. Nobody knows that I have on my slippers, Um, but that's okay. It is important, though, how we look. So the world will tell us that it is really important that as a mom, you should look fabulous, right? The little cute moms and, you know, they got their hair in the messy bun and it looks amazing, right? Um, But I think the Bible tells us something different. So we've got to think about the balance between looking cute and wearing your junk pants, you know? Every day. And I actually have more than one pair of junk pants, can I just say. So, so Andrea, um, are you wearing your junk pants today? No one knows. No, no, I would not consider these my junk pants. Okay, so. all right. What do you think of this question? Well, it made me laugh. Um, and me then, too. And I showed it to my husband. And his answer for me was... Oh, I love when husbands answer yeah. for you. So this is my answer, according to my husband. I live in my junk pants until I have to leave the house. <laughs> 
And that kind of is an honest answer. <laughs> um, I mean, around the house, you know, I tend to live in workout clothes or joggers. But when I leave the house to run errands, I try to put on normal clothes, if that's what you want to refer to them as. Um, so, you know, I think we have to be realistic that women don't wear dresses all day long un- anymore, you right. know, like when they're cleaning stuff. Unlike my seven-year-old who recently... She was working on her Legos and had a dress on and her high heels. Oh, man. <laughs> and oh. then they went out to rake leaves and she kept her dress on but put her tennis shoes on. So, but oh, that's, my you know, we're not going to be, you know, wearing our peasant dresses around the house. So, <laughs> um, but I think we also need to be mindful that, you know, as a culture, we have really relaxed what we wear in general in all spheres of life. And so there is a negative consequence to our attitude toward work as well. And perhaps those things are related. Hmm. I don't know. But for me, in practical ways, for me, Wednesdays are a full days for me. I start early and I'm out of the house pretty much most of the day until bedtime. And so, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people and I'm not at home to change my clothes. And so that's the day that I make time to look cute. So <laughs> hashtag no junk you, pants. Right? Yes, no junk <laughs> pants. Um, in definition of cute, you know, that was in the question. I'm just saying, you know, a decent outfit with my hair and makeup actually done. <laughs> Because my hair does not look good in a messy bun. Um, but, you know, even when I'm out just like running errands, I want to be presentable and approachable. And I think the balance comes when, you know, I want to be able to have a conversation with a stranger in the grocery store and share the love of Christ mm. without them or share the love of Christ with them without feeling embarrassed that I'm still in my PJ pants. Yeah. And I think when we are, you know, in that state, then we're a little more standoffish toward people. Not as welcoming, maybe. Um, well, at the same time, if I was just in the middle of doing yard work and I realized I need something at Menards, I want to be okay with not having to change my clothes and put on makeup because I'm more concerned about my looks hmm. than working hard in my home. Hmm. So it is a balance. And I think at all times, we need to be ready to share the love of Christ. And we just need to get over ourselves. If we walk into a store with sweat on our forehead and dirt on our knees from pulling weeds and planting flowers. Hmm. Um, and so I think with a lot of things, you know, it just comes down to our heart. Am I in my junk pants because my overall attitude is laziness and I want to exaggerate the fact that I'm a stay at home mom and I don't really need to dress up Mm -hmm. or am I in my junk pants because I was cleaning the floors and organizing the pantry and I want to be comfortable while working. Hmm. So it's a little bit of a heart check on that. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we do know the answer to that. Yes. You know. Well, it's good because those are things we probably should be checking in with ourselves frequently. <clears throat> you know, it's it's easy to get lost in either how we look and all about our, how our hair is and our makeup or get lost on the other end and we never, ever think about mm-hmm. it. You know, so I, I think those are good questions. Thank you for walking us through how to put away <laughs> our junk pants, right? <laughs> that could be like a whole podcast. Yeah, that's right. I think it should be. That's right. You know, how to wear your junk pants appropriately, right? Okay. How to dress up your junk pants. I could keep going. Well, okay. Well, that is something. If I have leggings on at home, I'll put shorts on when I leave the house. So that's how you can dress up your... Oh, yeah. That's how you can dress okay. up your junk pants. Wow. Okay. We'll save that one on a next episode. All right. So, Adrian, I got one more for you because you are the person in the room with the oldest kids. Yeah, so you get all the really hard questions. That's a nice way to say you're the oldest lady. I did not say that. (laughs) That's fine. I am. I'm happy about it. All right. Well, okay. So how do you handle discipline in the teen years? This is a really big question. It is. It's a doozy. And 
you know, as a Christian parent, I could say some of our kids just seem to go seamlessly from young childlike faith to mature adult faith with very few hiccups. Yes. Some of my kids have done that. And other kids take a very different route. And it is extremely hard and it's very humbling to see teens make choices that we disagree with. And the temptation, of course, is to keep those kids in an ironclad grip Hmm. and to limit their choices and limit their activities. And there may be circumstances where we, we need to do that. Okay, there's, you know, but we also, we need to be wise. And the problem is that you might be able to limit their behaviors by controlling certain choices, but you're not necessarily going to control their hearts by a bunch of rules. Hmm. I and think you should say that again. Well, <laughs> you're not good. necessarily going to control their hearts by a bunch of rules. You might yeah. be able to get compliant behavior, but the goal is to get their heart. Mm. So the most important thing that we need to do when we're talking about disciplining teens or needing to discipline teens is the fact that we need to pray for them. Mm. And, you know, that that sounds like the easy Sunday school answer and, oh, this is a Christian podcast, so let's just, you know, let's all pray for our kids. But I'm telling you, after 30 years of being a parent, the number one thing we need to do, the most important work that we have as parents is to pray for our children. Hmm. Because if God saves them and causes them to have a relationship with him, they have the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And they will be able to obey God and do what's right because of the Holy Spirit, not because of what right. we're doing or not doing. It's the most right. important thing we can do. Not because it, of our rules that we make. Not because of the rules that we make. The most important thing that we need to do is pray for our hmm. children to know the Lord. Hmm. And like I'm saying, do it every single day. Hmm. That's good. That is what I have learned. <laughs> um, the I second feel like we thing, can stop the podcast right okay. there because that answers every question, but that's good. I've got another point, though. So oh, okay, okay. Okay. Keep going, girl. <laughs> um, the other thing we need to do is we need to allow them to make choices, even if they end up failing by making those choices. Ooh, ouch. And this is hard to watch, but I would maintain that it's better to have that happen while they're still in your home so that you can influence them. Mm-hmm. If you have this, all these rules and all these ironclad things to clamp their every choice, and then eventually they're going to leave your home, and then this whole array of choices is before them, Right. And they're not in your home anymore for you to influence. Yeah. yeah. So let them have choices, let them fail, and have those communication lines open so that yeah. you can be talking to them about it. And, you know, if you just want to talk discipline, how do you discipline teenagers? Clearly what you did when they were two is not going to work when they're 15. No. So really the discipline at an older teenage level is to remove and add privileges. And I can't answer for you what those are. You just have to consider what matters to your teenager. What is it? Mm -hmm. What matters to them? And those are the things that you remove or add Hmm. in terms of, you know, for behaviors. And also, it's really important to think about this, that sometimes we need to let other godly adults to finish our kids. And this this even could be an older teen who we allow Mm. to influence them. And, you know, I'm thinking youth group leaders, pastors, elders, allow them to challenge your kids. And 
seek out a church where this will happen. Don't just seek out a church whose goals with the teens is to give them a good time and have fun and entertain them. I mean, great if they can do both, but right. I want to, you know, be in a place where the leadership cares for my kids' souls. Hmm. And I can th- think of examples in our family, even in the past six months, where we have challenged one of our teens about something. Challenge them, challenge them, no change. It seemed to, you know, our exhortations or whatever seemed to fall and kind of unhearing ears and we prayed about this and we prayed about this and then a youth group leader challenged him about that same thing Hmm. and God used the words of that youth group leader to cause my child to listen and to change he did the very thing that we had been praying about and that we had been talking to him about and a youth group leader challenged him about it and it clicked it got Hmm. through to him and you know, you can help your kids' hearts be soft towards these adults um, by supporting those adults in their life. Like, let them be challenged without you. Let them um, be challenged and not be offended by that. Not protect them from that. Not excuse them from that. Let them be. Let them take a hit. You know, hmm. God could really use that and work through that. Hmm. Great, great answers. Um, and I think it's helpful. I love your point specifically about prayer. That seems to be a yes. theme that's rolling through. Yes. That we, that's something we can do. God mothers, loves our children. Yeah, our God kids. loves our children more than we do. Yeah, that's good. It's also been so nice to have all of you join me today. This was really very fun. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for having thanks us, Julie. It was fun. Now, check out our social media to see who is going to be wearing their junk pants because I'm going to take a photo of us. Um, Okay, I'm just teasing. I'm not going to do that. Um, But you can check out our social media for some great articles and additional resources on mothering, womanhood, and honestly, just following God. It's called Women of the Word CTW, and you can find it on Facebook and Instagram. Mackenzie, would you pray for us today? Yes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we've had together today. I ask that... um, you would uh, be with all those who are listening. I thank you for your word and for giving um, wisdom from your word for the hard, the hard things of motherhood. Mm. I pray um, for us and those listening that we would be encouraged to work with joy in our homes and for our families, that you would give us faith to pray for our children and um, diligence in teaching them your word. Please give us your spirit and your wisdom. Um, May we diligently teach our children to love you and honor you in their lives. Amen. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, Again, if you have not listened to the first part, head back to episode 122 to hear more questions and answers. And as I said on that episode, if you have further questions beyond the ones that we've talked about, find a seasoned mom that you trust and just, hey, ask away. You know, they'll be ready for you. Or join a mom's group like our Mom to Mom Ministry. And again, if you're local to Toledo, come join us. Finally, keep listening. We spotlight a mom's episode each month. So be listening and watching for those episodes on your favorite podcast app as all of our episodes drop each and every Thursday. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.